Perhaps hearing the change in her voice, Bandit barked. The hitchhiker jumped, turning in his seat. The boxer barked a second time, louder than the first. You have a dog, he said, facing forward again. Under different circumstances, Katrina would have said, he's harmless. Yet. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles, and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Tuesday, July 11th, and this morning we're going to consider the horror a little by meeting and discussing writing with Jeremy Bates. Jeremy Bates is a USA Today best-selling author of more than a dozen novels and novellas which have been translating, t- translated into several languages and downloaded more than one million times. Midwest Book Review compares his work to Stephen King and other masters of the art. He has won both an Australia Shadows Award and a Canadian Arthur Ellis Award. He was also a finalist in the Goodreads Choice Awards, the only major book award decided by readers. His debut novel reached number one in the Amazon Kindle store, while the novels in the World's Scariest Places series are set in real locations and so far include Suicide Forest in Japan, The Catacombs in Paris, Helltown in Ohio, and The Island of Dolls in Mexico. You can check out any of these places on the web or find out more information on the author's Wikipedia page. Also, for a limited time, the author is offering two book downloads for free on his website, jeremybatesbooks.com. It's late where you're at and early for me. How's it going today? Yeah, it's good. No, it's it's good. Um, Yeah, very good. Excellent. Yep. Yep. I've had my coffee. I've had my whole day. You've had so your... I'm, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm up and ready for this. Yep. Well, so <laughs> I, I tasted a number of your works, and this show in particular likes to play with the idea of synchronicity, but one of the, the interesting synchronicities right off the bat was I uh, was reading White Lies a little, and it's set in... In the Cascades or Leavenworth, Washington. Yeah, the Cascade Mountains. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where Twin Peaks is filmed. Have you ever Have you ever watched that show? A lot of people in the states are buzzing about Twin Peaks right now. Um, no, I haven't. Uh, I knew, this is the whole thing with Twin Peaks. Wasn't it a show back in the eighties? Have they done a re re uh, rethink of it? Um, exactly. I know it used to be like yeah. It, it came out in like uh, eighty nine. It, it was like two seasons, like eighty nine and ninety, and then, and then twenty five years went by, and, and they did a what amounts to a reboot of it with the same actors. Yeah, I sort of know what it's about. I've never really watched it. I was, um, uh, I was into like I missed the Twilight Zone and stuff, but I was into the Outer Limits. If you ever watched the Outer Limits back in, I think it was in the nineties or whatever. I, I used to watch that show, which was sort of the, um, you know, the, the the weird twist, psychedelic type thing. Um, but no, I never watched uh, Twin Peaks. But I've, I've I I knew of it in the past, and then I, I yeah I, I thought they I thought I heard they came up with something relatively recently, but no, I haven't I haven't I haven't seen it. Well, then, when choosing a settle for a setting for one of your books, does it? Ha- is it that it just kind of arrives to you or some place that you think you'd like to visit and then you explore it in your writing? No. Uh, okay. 
with the white lies, which that's the what you were reading um, at the beginning, um, that one was actually my first book. And um, <laughs> the reason I said it there pretty simply was because um, I'm, I'm Canadian. I live in Australia, but I'm Canadian. Um, but uh, I figured, you know, a setting in the U.S. would would sell better than a setting in Canada. And, and it's true. Um, there's a bigger audience and all that. So instead of setting something in like Vancouver or whatever, I set it in um, the Cascade, yeah, in Washington. But um, that that was with that book. Uh, the the main the main books, the main series, like the world's scariest places, like um, Suicide Forest, Catacombs, Helltown, whatever. Those ones are easy because if you do like a search on the internet for like scariest places on earth, you'll get um, you'll get lists like guys on YouTube sort of like compile them or other people compile them, and it's actually pretty easy to sort through them and find a location. And once you have a location, then you just sort of write the story. So um, that's made it a lot easier. Yeah. Do you have a, will that series continue the scariest places? And what are some of the other scary places that you're thinking about writing about? Uh, well, hopefully it's going to continue. So it's up to number, um, it's up to number five right now, but there's, well, there's four out there. There's, like I said, Suicide Forest, Catacombs, Helltown, and Island of the Dolls. I've just finished one. Um, the, the fifth one is called Mountain of the Dead, Mountain of the Dead, and it's, um, this this one's actually the first one that's actually based on um, not just a real location but a real event that's happened. So um, it, if somebody if you searched on the internet about um, the Dyatlov, I think that's how you pronounce it, but the incident in 1959 there were like nine Russian hunt uh, hikers who went up into the mountains. They died. Some from uh, the extremities, from the temperature or whatever, but some from uh, like crazy, gruesome, terrible injuries. And nobody, like in the last 50, 60 years, nobody has put up an explanation for that. No, There's just no answer to it. And, and the, there's a whole thing, there's a whole conspiracy thing going on on the web about what happened. That's what drew me into the thing. So then when I um, when I started researching, I got drawn more and more into it, and I said, yeah, this is pretty neat. So that's the fifth one right now, um, um, and it's not out yet because it's sort of um, in limbo with maybe an agent or whatever, but um, it's continuing the series, I guess. So it, it will continue the series, so that's number five. Well, so the thing that I, I notice when I look at your your bibliography is how prolific a writer you are. Yeah. <laughs> so White Lies came out in 2012. What year did you write White Lies? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's funny. Um, oh, my God. I got to do the math. Probably, I think it was about 2000 seven 2000 like it, it was about five six seven years before it actually came out with ocean view publishing um i i was i was living in japan at the time i'm teaching i was teaching english and um 
was a few years out of university. I had been writing for a few years and um, and uh, came up with this one. And um, I actually had a really good agent. It was the first big agent I had. They were, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it, McIntosh and Otis or something like that. But um, they signed me for that one. And then uh, it's pretty exciting <laughs> and everything. But uh, I got an email, like publishing so slow. And I got an email like um, three months later or something like that. And they said, oh, look, publishing's tough. We're not going to publish it. We can't, nobody bit or whatever. And um, so then I put it on. I just forgot about it for like five, six, seven, maybe eight years. I don't know. And I was doing some other stuff, just, you know, writing other stuff that wasn't published. And then um, when that wasn't published, uh, you, you know, you start getting frustrated. So I said, all right, I'm going to take this one out again. So I took that out again. By that time, I was a bit better writer. So I rewrote it um, and I pitched it to uh, the publisher, eventually published it, Ocean View Publishing. And they have a thing on their website which says um, they only you know, accept agented work, like you need an agent or whatever. I didn't have an agent for that at the time, but I still did it. And they, I guess they sort of got through the firewall and um, they published it. So that, that was the first book. That was sort of fun. And uh, that was like, you know, that was, it wasn't, a, they're a really good publisher. They weren't one of the big five, but they were a good um, mid-sized publisher. And that's sort of where I started writing I mean, after that, started, so like after that, I started putting stuff out more and more on a regular basis. What is your practice, your writing practice like? Is it, is it something you do every single day for a number of hours or is it when you're inspired or what does that look like? No, it's, um, it's, it's every day. Like uh, I've heard this so many times. And if anybody who who writes and stuff is listening to this, and they probably heard this a thousand times, the only way, like, you ha when you're writing, the only way you get better is by writing, and the only way you get better writing is by reading. So you you do it all the time. You read, you write, you read, you write. So um, you pretty much have to make it a day a daily thing. Um, some days you don't. Some days, like you know, like <laughs> I don't know if you're hungover or you. You might take a day off, but yeah, it has to be routine. It has to be something you do every day because if you don't, you just, you know, like it's it's not really easy. Um, it, it's pretty boring a lot of the times. It's it's exciting when you get going, but a lot of the times it's hard work. So if you if you don't just sit down and force yourself to do it, like so, so for example, to answer your question, um, a couple of months ago I was in the Philippines uh, for a friend's wedding. And I was finishing my last book and I used to live in the Philippines and it was, um, I like it over there. But this time when I was in the Philippines, it was just, it was sort of work. And it, it was in the sense that I, you'd, I'd go to the cafe for two hours in the morning, force myself to write like in a Starbucks and then come home, do whatever. And then after lunch, try and go out for another two, three hours and just, you know, like sometimes you're sitting there staring at the wall, but other, and, but for most of the time you're just writing. And, and then when you're done and you feel like you've done four or five hours a day, you, it's like, 
you know, because it's sort of a job. So you feel like you've done your five hours, not eight hours, but you've done your five hours and um, you can get on with the rest of the evening or whatever. So, yeah, it is something that you have to do every day. It's, it's, it's if you want to make it a job, I guess, if you want to put it that way. And then with that, do you work on one work at a time or do you work on whatever's calling you in the moment? No, um, one work at a time. Um, but, uh, like it's sort of like, I'll do like one, the way I've sort of gone with it is like, I'll do a big book, like a, not a big book, like a book, like a novel length book, like one of the world's curious places or white lies or whatever. And that takes a long time. That takes like, you know, like close to a year, uh, or whatever. Um, but then when that's done, in between that, I'll try and write like one or two little novellas um, just to, because, because, well, to be honest, it's a lot easier and it's quicker. Um, and it gets sort of, it still keeps your name, it keeps you up like on Amazon or whatever, you know, it keeps, keeps, um, keeps reading like there's something out there um and then you get back into the big book and that's the big you know grind again um but it's one at a time yeah white lies you said you you that was your first work and then you rewrote it and it was published did you rewrite it again and then it became an audio book or is that there's what could you explain that chronology a little bit and then what is it yeah. like what is it like to have your book become an audio work. Yeah, um, so that's interesting, the, the, the chronology there, but um, because it was, yeah, it was rewritten and then I, um, I'm not really supposed to talk about it because I signed some disclosure thing, but I got the rights back and um, the audio, the audio part of it um, is, uh, there's two things to that. Like I thought it was pretty cool. Like that was the that, that's the first and only book that I have audio for. Um, one because the publishers did that and um, they're American or whatever, um, and that was sort of neat. But a lot of people now are doing audio with their books. But you actually have to be an American citizen. I'm not sure if because um, the big thing that everybody goes through is the Amazon publish uh, the uh, audio thing that that Amazon has, but you actually have to be an American uh, citizen to like, and, you know, pay your taxes in the States to do that um, and have a bank, you know, account in the States. So I can't do that. And like people in the UK, Australia, Canada, whatever, can't do that. Um, so right now, like I would like to, I'd like to, because if I could, I would do it with some of my other ones because it's a whole new market. It's a whole new thing. But um, right now, I can't do that. Uh, you either need a publisher who's based in the States, or you you either have to be an author who's living in the States um, to do that. But it was pretty neat. it's pretty neat. But to tell you the truth, you actually have to get a good um, reader, like or audio or whoever you know, voice um, person, because uh, I've heard good and bad. I like I liked how they I did white lies, I guess, but. Um, I've heard some I've heard some funny stuff that doesn't really match with the story. So yeah, you have to get you have to get lucky or you know hit it on the head with it. 
And so when you edit, do you edit, do you read your work aloud or do you read it? Are you able to hear the sentences in your head? No, no, no. It's all in the head. Otherwise, people think I'm crazy because I usually write at like at McDonald's or something. So if I was sitting there with a coffee and just, you know, reading out loud, um, it's all in the head. The funny thing was... um, a while back, I I thought it would be so much easier to um, do it. There's this like voice program called Dragon something or whatever where you can actually dictate uh-huh. to the computer, and, and they're smart enough now that they can um, translate that and put it on in Word or whatever. Um, I tried that because I thought it'd be a Walt West. Because this is the thing that I guess people maybe don't understand with writing is that um, it's exhausting. Like sitting there and if you're writing a short story or whatever it's it's not so bad or if you're writing like your resume or whatever you just you know a couple of pages but if you're sitting there and your your goal is to write 400 pages of a story and you, and you're starting it and there's zero there's nothing on the page it's you know and then even when you get into it and it, it it's not it doesn't really go well at the beginning because nothing's really formed in your head it's exhausting and some it's like physically exhausting like you're sitting there so i thought um if you could dictate it it'd be a lot easier than you know you just you know i don't know like you're on the ex you're on the run the bike or something and you dictating your story but i so i tried that program and um it didn't it just didn't recognize me <laughs> so, so um i gave that up um but uh, no, I don't read it out loud. It's just um, like it's it's all in your head. That's why writers, yeah. That's, that's why write, most writers are a bit loopy sometimes because everything's in their head, replaying over and over and over. Well, then, what was it the experience like to hear White Lies? Or did, have you heard White Lies as an audio book? I heard the. Uh, <laughs> I heard the first. Uh, honestly, I heard the first. Um, Paragraph and that's it because I was with my friend uh, Back in the Philippines again, so this is when it first came out. I was, I was really excited. I was probably I was excited enough to probably just sit down and listen to the whole thing But I was sitting with my friends. We're having a couple of beers or whatever and um, He, he uh, I said hey, they just sent me this do you want to hear it? And it's like the books and audio now and that was really cool at the time. So he's like yeah, so I put it on and um for that for that novel because the main see this is the funny thing too because most of the books i write there the it's the the protagonist now is usually a, a male a guy but for that one it was a female so they had to choose a female protagonist to be the reader for the um the audiobook so <laughs> so 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 we were sitting down with a couple of beers and uh and then uh you know the introduction came on and then this woman came on and she read the first paragraph i think it went uh, still like i i can pretty much recite the first paragraph of all my books and that's it <laughs> it goes where from there but the first one they like they were on a, a, a highway it was a raining stormy night and this and this but it was all in this woman's voice and uh and i, I guess she, she was pretty good but my friend just looked at me and said what the hell is this? <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I don't like because it, I don't know. It just sounded, 
it sounded like you know like a like um your baby like a babysitter reading the book i don't know it it just sounded really weird so after that first paragraph i yeah i haven't listened to anything i so i don't know how it turned out but uh yeah yeah that's interesting I think that, that's the whole point you have to get the right you have to get the right person to read the book you have to get it, it, it's when you write a book and it's just words because those words are in the person's head so they're making the voice they're making the sound they're doing all that for you when it's an audiobook you have somebody you know putting the like speaking to you so you really have to get the right person otherwise it just sounds silly yeah well how about when you are inspired to write something to like whether it's a novella or a novel is it a character that calls to you or like a a big idea that you want to explore you know what was it what was the inspiration for white lies what was it that you know prompted you to sit down and write the whole thing yeah it's always a hook um the hook with white lies was um pretty simply like um you know what if you told a, a, a lie you know white lie or whatever and um it spiraled out of control and you know got worse and worse and worse and worse the the toughest thing i found actually was um uh trying to figure out those hooks when you don't know what you're writing about so with white lies this was when i was i, I think like i was 25 or something um I didn't know what I was writing. I had no idea. Like I had no identity as a writer or whatever. So I was just trying to think of something catchy and you have to, you know, think of something that agents are going to like and whatever. It was a huge chore. And then same with the second book after that taste of fear. And that was a bit different. So all those books are sort of different. And, and that was the hard part trying to find this hook. But then the interesting thing is that once you find what you want to write about, it's so much easier. So, like, if you take like guys like Robert B. Parker or like, um, you know, Stephen King, I guess, or um, Lee Child or whatever, these guys who have a character. This is why authors write. They like, uh, maybe not Stephen King, but the other guys. They keep writing in a series or do whatever because once you know the character and once you know you know, the setting and everything, writing a story is so much easier because you're not thinking of, you still have to think of that hook, but you're not thinking of this whole universe or whatever. So I found like with my, the first two standalone books, like White Lies and The Taste of Fear, I had no idea really, like those are, the White Lies is psychological suspense, I guess. And then Taste of Fear was more action adventure, like totally different. And publishers don't want anything to do with that because they're just like, these are, you know, you're not, you're just writing to create different audiences. So I found, um, and they were really hard to come up with stories or do whatever. But then when I came up with the one for Suicide Forest, because I was living in Japan, I was teaching over there. And I, I, been, I was there and I, was, I always thought that would be a cool story. Um, and then I came up with that idea for the scariest places, and I just had to choose a scary place. Once I had that down, to tell you the truth, it was it's so much easier. It's just really, really easy now to write a story because, um, well, it's not easy, but it's, it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be because I know what I'm doing. 
I know the audience, sort of, and I know uh, the structure of those, and I know what I'm writing, and I know that I can keep going with this genre or do whatever, and um, that makes it a ton, that makes a ton of difference, and it makes it much easier. And then as a writer, do you feel like in that process you've kind of found your voice, and then um, does that voice end up? being pigeonholed into a, like a specific genre or do, do you write all over the place? I mean, so like, that's, well, no, yeah. that's the yeah. interesting thing to me where on the outside, someone might think, Oh, this guy's a horror writer or this guy's a suspense writer or this guy, you know, writes thrillers or whatever. But you know, how do you, how do you describe what you do to your friends at a cocktail party? Well, I, first of all, I don't, I don't really mention writing so much because um, I don't know. Uh, but um, the, that's a really good question because um, I, I, this is something I, I don't know, it's, I find interesting is that um, I've, I've, like with reviews and stuff, um, are from feedback from you know, people who read it, the books or whatever um i've some one of one criticism i get like and it's come up a few times is that um sometimes characters sound similar so like um in suicide forest the characters are similar in um catacombs or whatever and this is so this is getting to the voice or whatever so the voice that i found in suicide forest was first person um and I like a male because I found that a lot easier to write than trying to write a female, um, and so forth. And anyway, but the the funny thing with that is that, and I real I'm really comfortable with that, and I like doing that. And um, with that, that's how that's what it was with Suicide Forest, Catacombs, Helltown was different. That was third person and all over the place. And then, but then with um, Island of the Dolls, anyway. The funny thing was um, that people, some of the comments were uh, that they're all similar in the sense that the protagonists are a bit similar. But I think what you have to realize, well, not, as, as a reader, I guess, or what I sort of, what I'm thinking is that um, they're, they're not like, yeah, they follow, some of the characters follow stereotypes and they do whatever and they... Um, and they're a bit similar because that's my voice. But the stories are all different. And the, this series is based on the locations, right? So it's called The World's Scariest Places. It's based on the locations. And if you take like a Lee Child's story or whatever, like every single novel of his, he's lucky enough that he can use the same protagonist. And nobody says, hey, uh, Jack Reacher is the same in this book as he is in that book, right? <laughs> yeah. He's using the same guy in each one, doing the same thing, solving different crimes, um, doing whatever. Like, it's it's next to impossible to come up with, like, a different, completely different character for each one. I get You can do it, I, I imagine, but, I mean, that's not really the point. The point for my The Scariest Places is, is that they're, it's, this, it's the location, and then, yeah... I use sort of like, it's my voice, so I use these characters. But the last thing I'll say to that is, um, that's why I like writing novellas, because when I finish one of these stories with these characters, and 
um, that may be somewhat similar to the last. When I write a novella, I can break out of that series and um, do something completely different. So like in Rewind or Neighbors or um, Run or Box of Bones or whatever, all these stories, I think that like they're the, the 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 protagonist is completely one hundred like completely different than the last story, and that gives you a bit of freedom to do something different. Um, but people, I just I'm just saying like the point of that is um, it's a series. World, you know, if it's a series, you have to keep something similar. You can't just go completely off the rails. So. Yeah. Talk about re rewind a little bit. It it's uh, what what was the hook for that? Yeah, oh, that was a weird one. Um, a weird how I came up with that. It was um, so I was living in Broken Hill in Australia at the time, like just in the middle of Australia in a mining desert town. I was there for a couple of years, and um, I remember uh, I used to walk from my place. Uh, to the um, the Coles, which is like uh, um, what's the big supermarket in the states? Um, um, I don't know. What, what's the big supermarket in the states? Um, like a Walmart? Yeah. Okay. It's sort of like a Walmart. So it's a Coles over here, and um, I just did <laughs> I just did that to get out of the house because sometimes changing the environment is good you know like it because once you're sitting some if you're sitting at home it's so easy to just slack off but if if you're um are going to the internet or whatever but if you have to if you're sitting in like a supermarket for two hours you have to sort of work for two hours but i used to walk to like burger king or um hunger jacks it's called over here or up to the supermarket so i was walking one day and um broken hill is sort of like um i don't know just uh well, it's a desert town, so it's totally different. And um, I was thinking about uh, what if, like, how did that idea came? What if, what if, like, no, what if you were, what if, because nobody knew me in Broken Hill, I was a foreigner, and, um, you know, I just came in for a year, and and I was thinking when I was walking up to the store one day, what if, like, um, people really didn't know you like what if um you know you you had this different past or whatever and that doesn't really make a good story but then i started thinking of the sci-fi elements of it which if people read rewind they'll find there's a big twist in the end and then once you have a hook like that and i guess that was a hook like what if you're completely a different person than what people think you are um you know, and then it went from that to the whole sci-fi element, and then the, you know, this the rewind and the the guy who this and what he did and everything. I can't. I guess I won't say anything more because that's the story and it's a short story. But um, yeah, it was just one of those days. I was walking up. It was a big sunny day, and I was walking to the Coles, the supermarket, to sit down and write. And um, and uh, I, you know, I didn't really belong in Broken Hill as a foreigner and. Uh, I had those thoughts going, and I just thought, yeah, what if, you know, what if you're um, someone totally different than what people thought? Or even even yourself a little bit, maybe. 
Well, yeah. Well, then now, now we're getting deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the importance of reading, and so I'm curious, uh, you know, how much time do you spend reading, and then what, you know, uh, what do you read? Um, I, I honestly wish I read more. It's, it's embarrassing. Like, um, my mom reads tons. Um, that's how I actually got into writing, because my mom such a big reader there's always books around the house and she had dean coons and that's what i read you know growing up and stephen uh she didn't have i found stephen king on my own but my mom had like dean coons and other stuff and she always had books around the house so i always started reading those and um um but the reason i said i was embarrassed is because uh i meet people who they're like oh you know i finished a book in like a week or a couple days or sometimes you'll read a column and they're like oh i read your book in a day I've never really, I've never read a book in a day. Um, takes like a month. Like I'm, I don't know. If I'm just a slow reader or whatever. But um, uh, I used to. I I grew up. I started on fantasy. I used to like fantasy a lot, like uh, Terry Brooks, and I I've always liked Stephen King, and I've sort of mixed it from there. But I'm not a fast reader, and um, I'd like to read more because it really, I, if you know, if you're writing, it's your research, it's how you do things. So, you, um, uh, but I don't read very much. I don't like, I, I'd like to read more. Um, but, and I've switched to a Kindle recently, which is pretty convenient because everything's right there, right on it. So now if I don't have a book with me, like on a, train or on a in the car or whatever i usually have a kindle so it makes reading easier but um i'm not an avid reader like i, I like reading and um oh this is the thing actually i watch a lot of movies so i think i get more like plot ideas and stuff from movies than i do from reading uh, i'm a big movie i watch a lot of movies but um i i'd like to pick up on reading like i just don't do it enough my dad's a a big reader too, and he he'll read anything basically. But I I find that he tends to gravitate toward genre works. So he likes murder mystery books and suspense books and uh, fantasy books, but not as much horror. But he he'd still do. You, would you, was your mom similar? And so like as a child, I could. There were there were just books all over the place, and I could just look at the covers and and say this looks interesting, you know, and then kind of yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom sort of like she like I said she read Dean Koontz and um, but mostly it's more like um, other like women fiction and stuff like um, but that's the thing like I I sort of read some of those because they're lying around um, but I've never been a big fan of the police you know, procedural type stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, it was never my thing. Um, so I, I picked up, yeah, then, you know, I've never thought of that, but that's a good question because, um, I guess I picked up from the books lying around that I'm read like Dean Koontz and these horror things. And, um, I never, and I read some of the other ones like JD Robb or whatever that she, but I never, I thought they were good but I never thought like, oh, I need to go out and buy another one. So I, I guess I was always more attracted to the horror aspect um, because after I read like a Dean Koontz, like I started reading 
Stephen King, but then I like Richard Lehman and Bentley Whittle and all these type of guys. But those are ones I found on my by myself. I didn't um, read the ones that were around the house. So a bit of different taste. Um, and and the thing is too, like this this is the whole problem, I guess, with me is that, like I said, I'm not a fast. I don't read a lot. Like if I could read a lot, I just read everything. I, but because I don't read that much. I sort of feel like when I pick up a book to read, it should be um, like it's sort of research in a sense for me. Like it should be what I'm writing, like it, not what I'm writing about exactly, but it should be in the genre because it's sort of research. And like if I'm going to read a book, it's sort of like this is what I'm going to be sort of, this is the way I'm writing. So I, I should be re reading something like that because it's sort of research. So yeah, I don't really read women's fiction or whatever as much as, you know, you know like, yeah, I just don't, I don't, not at all really anymore. But Well, what about the idea that, um, uh, there was, there's a university professor who wrote a book called Mutants and Mystics and, and that was all about how sometimes this strange world that a writer conceives of comes off the page and into their life, you know? So like the idea that the horror comes off the page is horror something, you know, these strange ideas you have, is that something that stays pretty much in the books or do you experience the kind of weirdness in your life that you write about? <laughs> Zero. I'll tell you zero. And that's it's funny because um I don't know, I'm just desensitized to it because um when I read when I read horror or when I watch a horror movie, like if this is funny because if I watch a horror movie with my wife, she'll we'll be sitting there and she's freaked out and she'll jumping and she can't watch it half the time. She's like she'll leave and I'll just, you know, be watching the movie with myself. And I can't understand why people get, and then when I actually, when I read reviews and people are like, oh, this is such a scary book and this is scary. And it, it blows me away because I can't understand why they get so scared because, it's, you know, it's just, it's like a book or it's a movie or whatever. But then I've sort of realized this recently, or not recently, but lately, like, not lately even, but like uh, whatever, I realized this, is that the thing, what happens is that when you get into it, when you start writing about it, I guess, you sort of become familiar with it. Um, with me specifically, like to answer your question again, I don't, um, it's not something that's part of my life, but when I read um, something or when I watch a movie, because I've been doing it for so long, like long enough that, I lose the enjoy. I, I've sort of lost the enjoyment. Of, like for example, and I'll get back to the horror thing in a sec. But when I used to read like fantasy books when I was a lot younger, I totally get immersed in this universe and just you know and not you know and I loved reading it and not think anything. You'd be in. I'd be in it, and you know. Um, but then when I started writing. Uh, instead of reading you sort of start deconstructing so you're instead of reading like and just falling into the story you're looking at like the sentence structure and you're looking at 
yeah, okay, I know why he's doing that. He's building this character and what he's doing and this is going to lead to that. And the, and that, when you just deconstruct it. So I think that happens when I watch like a movie or like a horror movie or when I read a horror book nowadays. I'm not drawn into the story like I used to be. Like I still can, I still can enjoy it, but I mean, I, um, I see what they're doing and I'm analyzing it, you know, be just like... Um, if you're an accountant and you have a page of like numbers in front of you, you know, like you're just you're doing your work. So um, it doesn't scare me. It's not part of my life, but um, I just sort of go with it and like it, it's I deconstruct it. And then, like I said, with my wife, when she watches it, I think she still gets really into it. And that's why it scares and everything. So it's nothing to do with my personal life. Like I don't come. I don't. Like, you know, obviously, people are doing anything like that, but it's all calculated. Like, I'm like, hey, this would be a good idea for this, and this would work, and that would happen. And this is probably that's a good character trait, and this and this. So, it's all it's all mathematics, or you know, like it, it's not, it's not, um, yeah, it's not, it's not part of my life. <laughs> We're just about at the end here. What what is what kind of hooks are grabbing you right now, and what are you working on, and what can we expect from you in the future? Well, I just finished uh, Mountain of the Dead, um, and that's with the agents. So we'll see how that goes. And if it doesn't go with the agents, then I guess I'll publish it again myself. But um, that that that's a really good one. It's a, I really enjoy that. I enjoyed writing that one because it was um, based on the true story Dyatlov Instant if anybody's interested 1959 Russia nine hikers go missing brutally destroyed um but aside from that I'm doing a novella because that's been finished and it's called The Mailman and um this one was a bit weird different because um like I said I do different things after the main books but um I've always like um old rock and roll like 80s rock and stuff like you know like uh, like acdc guns and roses and all that type of stuff so i would thought about trying to write a novella about that didn't really know how to do it but um like a good story but then i figured like what if there was you know some 1980s lonely uh housewife type person who is dissatisfied with her marriage and somebody comes along, the mailman, who actually has nothing to do with the, the 80s rock or whatever, but that's a different thing that comes in. And um, she, uh, you know, she gets into an affair that spirals out of control. It's sort of like white lies, I guess. Um, oh, I'm repeating stuff now. But, um, yeah, but um, that's what I'm, I'm just finishing. That. I'm finishing that and um, I have a couple more. I'm thinking about after that before I get into a big novel again because it's you know, I'm not it's just uh, the, these little things are easy big novels are good like you you're, you're invested for a year so it's sort of nice to take a break but yeah so it's the mailman that's the one I'm it'll be out in like a month I think something like that well that was 42 minutes thank you so much for sharing it with us yeah no problem Doug thanks for having me you bet. You've been listening to Jeremy Bates on 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com. 
Definitely check out his work. Uh, you can find more information about him at his website, jeremybatesbooks.com. For more information about The Sync Book or our guests to check out past shows or subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a Sync Book Plus member. Some of the membership benefits include full access to the complete audio archive, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audio and video, as well as seasonal online hangouts with the hosts. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much. And the ego liked to trick you into thinking that you were the center of the universe. But in truth, you were nothing but a dust mote in a never-ending shaft of dimming light. My dream is to go to that Honest.
Yeah.